Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the DNBR Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of DNBR, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. So you say you gotta know why the world goes around And you can't find the truth in the things you've found And you're scared shitless cause evil abounds Come join us Well I heard you were looking for a place to fit in For a battling people with the same what you give A family to clean away Welcome to episode 69 of McChesney Unchained, coming to you from my basement, which is 6-0 Studios these days. Uh, we are always live here on thednvr.com. Go check it out and make sure you support by buying a subscription. Um, I know that the social distancing and the lockdown really hit them hard, so make sure that you support DNVR and everything that they do to bring you such great coverage, which they do. Uh, that's why I'm with them. Um, I am Matt McChesney, as usual. This is episode 69 of McChesney Unchained. And we've got a lot to talk about today from the coronavirus and everything that's going on there. Uh, the Toronto curse. Chris Fowler's thoughts on college football and where it's going to go. Um, put a bow on NFL free agency. We'll talk about the draft in your Denver Broncos and what they're going to do in the draft. Uh, and then, you know, we'll just obviously talk a bunch of shit and banter. And then obvi- and then um, on top of all that, excuse me, we will have Tampa Bay Center uh, and Dungeon Family great CSU Pueblo Thunderwolf uh, Ryan Jensen will be joining us here on episode 69 uh, to talk about the addition of Tom Brady down in Tampa and uh, anything and everything related to the coronavirus and the NFL season, so on and so forth. Uh, Jensen and I have been working together for a long, long time, and he's a great friend and client, uh, and I'm damn proud of him and everything he's accomplished, uh, being one of the highest-paid centers in the National Football League, uh, another kid from Colorado. So, let's go. Remember, you can also follow the show uh, at DNVR Unchained uh, on Twitter, and then at Six Zero Academy on Twitter, and then also at Six Zero Academy on Instagram. Um, and we will obviously be posting, and we're trying to do as much stuff to ab- abide by the social distancing guidelines as humanly possible. So let's get into that. Uh, the coronavirus. Um, look, man, after having West Nile virus and almost being in a position where I didn't think I was going to be very, be, be very productive moving forward, to say the least. I totally understand the social distancing. I totally understand the restrictions, and I'm not against them. I am against closing down the entirety of the country from an economic standpoint because I think you might be creating another huge problem on top of the virus. And I'm not really sure how you fix the problem. I don't know how you protect people and protect the economy. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that the economy is more important than than people's lives. It's not from an individual standpoint. But at some point, people are going to stop playing the look out for your fellow man game. Because as much as people want to talk about that, it's not really what our capitalistic system is built on. It's dog-eat-dog out there, and President Trump, and I can't believe I'm still calling this Trump the president, but look, man, if you're a Magna Hat-wearing, you know, Trump supporter, that's great. That's your right, and I'm glad he won for you, and actually, I'm not glad he won. He's an asshole, but I'm, I'm, actually, it sucks that he's the president. I can't even fucking sugarcoat it. I'm, this guy is the absolute worst guy to have in charge at a time like this, and it's amazing to me how many people are just blinded by popularity. Like I like him because he speaks to me. He's not speaking to you. He's speaking down to you. Uh, the, I mean, he does everything that dictators do. Yeah, the, uh, short of putting on a military uniform and standing there like the last king of Scotland and shit. So I am very, very, very disappointed in the leadership at, at the top. Um, Listening and watching his press conferences and watching him attack the media who are simply trying to do their jobs, regardless if it's fake news or not, the the news stations that blow him and make him feel like King Trump, he loves them. 
But anybody that says anything or contradicts anything or asks, asks him a tough question, it's on like Donkey Kong with Donald Trump. You can't even get a word in. And in my opinion, that's the number one uh, identification of a terrible leader because he doesn't listen to anyone. He's not even listening to Dr. Fauci. And people talking about like, Dr. Fauci's full of shit, and he's trying, he's a communist, and he's a Democrat. What the fuck are you guys talking about, man? I, I swear to God, the United States, for being so smart individually, because most people I talk to individually are pretty smart folks, even if they are Trump supporters. That's great. Not not saying you're stupid. I'm saying you made a bad decision. And look, I can't really complain, but I will because I'm an American. I didn't vote for either of these assholes. I, I couldn't vote for Hillary, and I couldn't vote for Donald. I'm not a left a left wing, you know, a left side, uh, you know, alphabet person, equal right thumper. And I'm also not a guy who believes the world is 3,500 years old and Jesus wrote a velociraptor to the, to, to the persecution and all that shit. I just don't believe any of it. I think it's all terrible. I'm an American and I think that our democracy is under attack. And I think it's been like that since, I don't know, let's see, ever. I mean, this isn't the first time they've had voter suppression. Women couldn't vote forever. African Americans couldn't vote until the Civil Rights Bill was passed, and that was still full of a bunch of, you know, uh, concessions to all the 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 white KKK guys in the government at that time. Still, so you know, it, it's man. I'm telling you, being a history major and understanding the history of this country and the world, and how much like feelings and bullshit is playing into this it's ridiculous trump's feelings are irrelevant fauci's feelings are irrelevant the media's feelings is irrelevant everybody's feelings on twitter and instagram about you know all these fucking virologists out here that are apparently just being underpaid and have to work a regular job and man I, if you were this fucking smart and this much of a doctor the whole time maybe you should have been maximizing yourself just saying um but everybody on Twitter is a fucking expert, and people do not know how to have conversations anymore. It's all either you're with us or against us, and fuck you if you're against us, and what the fuck do you know, and yada, yada, yada. And that's not the way we're going to get out of this hole. We need compassion and understanding, but we also have to have restrictions that actually make sense. Restricting people from going to work when they can take precautionary measures to do so and, and stay open to help people, that's the route to go, not... Everybody stay home and watch your dreams crumble because eventually people are going to start and they're already doing it in the healthcare field and the cops are doing it, the firefighters are doing it, the first responders are doing it, people delivering food are doing it. I mean, good Lord in heaven, the delivery driver has to, has to put himself at risk, but you can't let 10 people at a time into a restaurant and see them 15 feet away from each other. People that are sick are not leaving their houses anymore. That's good. I've been praising that for years and years and years. But now that it's a deadly virus, people are listening. I hope that this just gets people to wake up and understand that you don't really have time. You're not in control of shit. And a lot of y'all are nasty. You need to wash your ass, wash your hands, brush your teeth. You know, it's the, the lack of cleanliness around this country and in general with human beings is ridiculous. Like, I've, I don't know how many times I've seen people not wash their hands before going to the bathroom in a public place or after, how many people don't cover their mouth when they cough, people that just have total disregard. I mean, I can't tell you how many kids have walked into the gym in my time and put their phone face down on the bathroom floor. On the bathroom floor of a, of a teenage male bathroom at a gym, at, at a physical therapy facility. You know, we have everything over there, thank God. So I'm just saying, man, this entire situation is bad, obviously. I am trying my best to be a beacon of light for my guys. And we got dudes getting offered left and right in the gym. Avery Shonison just got his first two, Northern Colorado, and Penn came out of the woodwork to offer him. Court Kringlin got Tulsa. Oh, God. Uh, big Bra uh, Braylon Nelson, who decommitted from CU, but is still getting courted by them pretty hard, just got UNLV. Marcellus Reed just got, uh, who did he get? Marcellus Reed just got... Ah, uh, South Dakota, I believe. I can't remember off the top of my head. Wilson Clark got Idaho and South Dakota. The the list goes on and on and on and on and on. I've been on I've been on the phone with coaches day in and day out so much during this process to help with college football recruiting. It's ridiculous. So I'll just say this bluntly, and this is the only really time I'm going to do this. If you're the parent of an athlete out there, or or you are an athlete listening to this, and you're not trying to take advantage of the opportunity that you could have. You're not trying to take advantage of, 
the fact that everyone is shut down everywhere and if you have a bridge or you have a connection or somebody that can help you present you correctly and develop you correctly during this time and you don't take advantage of it you only have to blame yourself and then you know the the too cool for school guys there's a huge group of kids out there who forgot that football didn't just come around when they came around there's a long list of guys that that bled for this game before you came around and the smugness of some of these young guys is just ridiculous to me. You know, the the inability to communicate unless it suits you is ridiculous to me. I think that a lot of these kids are going to be woke up when they get hit in the fucking mouth at the next level and they realize it's not a game. Because every, every time a talented kid smiles at me and rolls his eyes and acts like I don't know what I'm talking about with all the shit that I've been through, some self-inflicted and some just random craziness that's happening to me, and I still got six years in the league and got my full vest, and was it everything I wanted? No, no of course not. But it... it I'd achieved my goal of getting my pension and I can look at myself in the mirror and know that I played it to the bone. And all I'm saying is there's two types of folks these days, especially with the younger generation. There's guys that you can't say shit to that think they know everything, but are super, super, super insecure and don't really know what they're talking about. And the minute something goes wrong, they point fingers and it's always someone else's fault. It's never what they're doing. They also lie and deceit, and they're not truthful, which doesn't help them in the process. And those guys during this process act like they don't like being quarantined, but they love it. They just get to sit around and talk shit like this is something that's really affecting them negatively, when in actuality they love it and they just want to sit in their basement anyway. And then there's the other side of the coin, kids who get it, and a lot of these guys are good, and a lot of the good ones that get it turn into absolute monsters, the Austin Johnson, Drake Nugent, Bear Miller, Trey Zune you know, Alex Padilla, guys like that. Christian McCaffrey, he's a guy that gets it. I didn't work with Christian. I'm just saying congratulations on the huge contract, bro. You deserve it. And I saw Vic Lombardi came out and said he might be the best white running back ever. I just think he might be one of the best running backs ever at the end of the day. Um, I'm just saying the guys that get it, that I don't have to twist your arm to get you to do work. I don't have to ridicule you and fuck with you and challenge your manhood. You actually accept the fact that you're not perfect and you can get better. Those guys look at this circumstance as, okay, how do I take advantage of the fact that so many kids just want to sit on their ass in the basement right now and claim quarantine? How can I take advantage of it? And that's what I'm looking for. That's the guys, like this Jordan Wolverton kid from Durango that I just uh, signed up, a quarterback. He's starving for knowledge. I can't get off the phone with the kid. I love it. He just wants more and more and more and more and more, and that's what I'm looking for. If you're one of these guys that's just like, we'll wait for this to pass and things are going to happen afterwards, it's this thing is going to pass you and you're going to be sitting around watching. You're going to lose everything. So I understand that this is the most difficult time in the history of times for a lot of people, but your choice is simple. You can either wake up every morning and feel sorry for yourself and wait, or you can wake up every morning and look at yourself in the mirror and say, fuck this, I'm going to get it. And within the ramifications of the rules, or within the structure of the rules, and not putting yourself in a, in a situation where you're going to get fucked with, um, or put people in danger, you should do. But, uh, you know, it's, I don't think that this is the opportunity that people, I don't think this is a time when people need to be out snitching on folks, though. I was over at my facility like a week and a half ago cleaning and moving shit around and trying to move some of the stuff over to my house so I can lift in my, in my garage so my kids have something to work out with, yada, yada, yada. And some asshole out there in the world called the health department and snitched that I was working. No one's working, dick. I, first of all, I have physical therapy, so I could open if I want to. Second, who the fuck are all these people that are super, super, super involved with everyone else's life? If people are being dangerous and they're mass congregating like some of these churches, and all you folks out there, all you super religious guys and girls, and all, like, if you turn this off because you can't have a real conversation, this is exactly my fucking problem. If you're trying to say that it's okay to go and be in a massive group for religious purposes, because I've heard one lady say she was covered in, in Christ's blood and that's why she won't get sick, and some other preacher said that he's just gonna... He's just going to say, COVID-19, you're gone, you're dead, and just boom, and it's gone and dead because he, he believes so. I mean, these folks are, sorry about that, these folks are fucking ridiculous. I mean, whatever you're smoking, dog, could you send some to me? Damn, Puff the Magic Dragon, holy shit, do you see him when you smoke this shit? 
because your fantasy land you're living in is really getting people hurt. And because it's religious-based, it's okay? Holy shit, guys. I Look, man, Darwin had a point. All right? There's a reason nobody wanted Darwinism taught. Because it's really, really, really cutthroat, and it's really, really, really honest. And I'm sorry if that pisses people off. But you know what? Maybe they shouldn't be eating bats stacked on top of turkeys, stacked on top of goats, stacked on top of alligators, and all that horse shit in China. And we wouldn't get these super fucking nasty-ass goddamn viruses that spread all over the world. Maybe they should shut down the wet markets, which they're not going to. And honestly, you know, look, the West Nile virus is called the West Nile virus because it was originated in the West Nile River. Uh, the Zika is from is is originated... And I think the Zika rainforest or something like that, if I remember correctly. All right. The the Rocky Mountain spotted fever is from the Rocky Mountains. The Spanish flu actually started in Kansas. Not sure why they call it the Spanish flu. But this is you have every right to call this the Wuton virus. I mean, the Chinese are, look, man, I'm not trying to sit here and point fingers. You know, all you fucking liberals out there. Now, it's my turn to piss y'all off. No one's being racist here, okay? I'm simply stating a fact. And the fact is, it came from there. And, you know, they notoriously eat nasty shit over there. And it makes me want to throw up. And now it's affecting everyone in the entire world. And they're reopening shit in China. And the Wuton fucking market where this originated is reopened. Or reopening, one of the two. Either way, it's terrible. So, I guess that is what it is. We'll see what happens with uh, this as it moves forward. I obviously want all the restrictions lifted and shit, but only if it's safe. So, I guess we'll see. Um, everybody stay safe out there and try not to freak the fuck out while you're sitting at home. And try not to let the anxiety eat you alive. And try to be a calming force and a, a force for good here. People are making mistakes left and right. Everyone's trying to help, but it's never going to be perfect. You can either hold a grudge or you can try and hold yourself to a standard that is acceptable in a time of crisis, which is, again, compassion and empathy and understanding that a lot of people are struggling right now. And in a time where Coach Wilson used to say this to me all the time, the great Coach Wilson, you never know what people are going through. He told me a story once, He was at a, and it's something I try and do all the time now. He was at a grocery store, and the clerk that was checking him out was really having a bad day, he could tell. And he gave her 100 bucks and just told her to smile. And if that could have helped that lady that day, and probably did, it could have changed her entire day just because of one simply kind, sincere gesture of empathy and compassion that Coach Wilson did. And since that story he told me in college, I literally try and help guys out on the daily. I remember at my buddy's bachelor party in San Francisco years ago, uh, Jody or Tony Dominguez Gardner, um, I gave a bum a hundred bucks on the street. Now, did I have a bunch of whiskey in my system at that time? Yes. But at the same time, he could have spent it on crack or he could have gotten a room and a shave, you know, and, and moved on with his life. Either way, my point is it's okay to help people. What they do with the help is their call. What you do to help is yours. So compassion, empathy, understanding, and honesty is huge right now. My number one point on why we need to get rid of Donald Trump immediately. My problem is they're parading out Joe Biden. So unless Barack Obama can rerun or we can find somebody that actually looks like, doesn't look like the Crip, Crip, the Crip Keeper or uh, uh, an orange that is about to explode on stage, I think that we're fucked. People aren't going to turn out for Biden unless they know they can get rid of Trump. And you know Trump supporters are going to turn out because he's their guy. That's my fucking guy, Donald Trump. The multimillionaire that inherited all his wealth from fucking New York is my guy. What middle of America fucking blue-collar, hard-working dude? Trump's your guy of all people? Shit. So we move on. Episode 69 rolls here on dnvr.com. Go check it out and support the website and everything they're doing down there. Uh, when the sports bar open backs up, get your ass down there and support Brandon Spano, Ryan Kosenberg, Ali, Andre, all the guys down at DNVR. They do a great job. Go check them out and buy a subscription. Uh, episode 69 rolls, and it's going to get freaking nasty here. Uh, I want you to think about this. The Toronto curse. Number one, the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup in 1919. The next year it was canceled. Because, uh, if I remember correctly, because of the Spanish flu. Uh, the Blue Jays won the, <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays won the World Series in 93. In 94, there was a World Series strike. The Raptors won the NBA title last year. And now, ah, bam, there might not be an end to the basketball season. And we'll see. Um, I personally think basketball is done. But we'll see. Um, okay, so moving forward here. Episode 69, I am Matt McChesney. We are rolling. Uh, Chris Fowler. 
the Buffaloes, one of the best uh, color guys in the business. Him and Kirk Herbstreet are phenomenal, in my opinion. Um, I think Chris Fowler, he made a, he, you know, he came out the other day on Sports Illustrated. My man Chase Howell put it up on, on Twitter and I read it. Um, had three different things for college football. Number one, it starts on time. There's no, there's no fans in the stands. That's going to hurt revenue, but at least you have football and you just hope and pray that it doesn't cause an outbreak and we don't have to shut shit down. Number two, they push back the, the, uh, college football season a month, month and a half, two months, and they play a shortened season. But if they did that and then they had to stop it after shortening it, it would be absolutely and unequivocally disastrous. Uh, both from a financial standpoint, but I think you would start losing programs that can't afford to flip-flop, can't afford to open, close, open, close, open, close a lot, like the businesses in the United States that are struggling right now. Mine included. It doesn't help when you lose close to 30 clients in a month. I'm not trying to complain. I'm just telling you the circumstance. I mean, it, it becomes a point where you're sitting there going, well, how in the Sam hell am I going to keep this floating and keep this going when I can't operate business? So it makes it extremely difficult. So I can only imagine what the smaller schools are feeling. And the third one that the great Chris Fowler came up with um, is to start in February or March uh, of next year and push it back like a half a season. And then you go, say you start February and you go February, March, April, May, and you end in June. They get July off and then they go back in August and they start the next season. Now, I understand that that's a massively quick turnaround, but it's no faster than spring ball. I played in the NFL Europe. I played an entire football season. I went to Europe. I played 12 games. And then we came back. And if I wouldn't have broke my leg in the last game of the season over there in Europe in the title game uh, with three minutes to go, great fucking luck, I know. Um, I would have came back and had three weeks to rest up and heal and then gone to play another football season with the Jets. This is your job. You need to be ready to do it. And honestly, if this is the route they need to take, then this is the fucking route they need to take because this could be the thing that kind of scrapes some of the crap off of college football and scrapes some of the extracurricular bullshit that they have to do that they don't get paid for off college football. And honestly, this is another opportunity for the kids that play to stand up for themselves and try and monetarily get what they deserve. So we'll see what happens there. Chris Fowler had a great write-up. Go check it out. Uh, my man Chase Howell posted it on his Twitter page, so go check that out. Um, okay. Now, um, we're going to talk about NFL free agency here, and we'll end with Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, and then we'll bring in Ryan Jensen. And Jensen, obviously, is the center for the Bucks, and he signed with them two years ago, and he's part of that turnaround down there. Uh, his first year, the team wasn't very good. He was getting his feet underneath him down there, a lot of changes. They bring in Bruce Arians. Bruce turns around the culture down there in one season. Uh, Ryan had an unbelievable year last year and was second team uh, all pro uh, at the center position, which is fantastic. And then they go out and they sign Tom Brady this offseason, and now all of a sudden Jensen is snapping the ball to the GOAT. So we're going to talk to Ryan here in a little bit, and we'll bring him on and talk about how excited he is to do all this and, and, and everything else on top of just playing with Tom fucking Brady. I mean, I know that Jameis is his boy and he loved playing with him, but you're not going to get 30 picks from Brady. You're going to get 35 touchdowns and three picks. And if they do that, Tampa Bay is going to be really, really hard to deal with. So NFL free agency is essentially a wrap. Uh, guys are still signing all over the place, but the big names are off the board. Um, obviously, I think Tampa Bay was a huge winner getting Tom Brady. I think he's going to be a massive asset, especially in Arians three wide down the field, stretching the seams and you know, the back out of the backfield and everything Tom and Bruce are going to be able to, to bring to Tampa Bay together. I know Jensen and everybody's excited about it. that defense is going to be much better when they're not having to be in a hole all the time because their quarterback went 30 and 30, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Think about that craziness. Um, on top of that, you know, Tampa is very intriguing because of the NFC South in general. I can't wait to watch the division. All right. Teddy Bridgewater, the Saints free agent pickup or the Saints get rid of him and he goes to Carolina in free agency and they cut Cam Newton. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, so you got Breeze, Brady, Bridgewater, and Matt Ryan. And everybody forgets that Matt Ryan two years ago was the MVP and six minutes away from winning the Super Bowl if they could play call in Atlanta. So that that division, when you're looking at just quarterbacks, I don't know. Has there ever been a better division as far as quarterbacks go? And if Cam was still starting for Carolina – is that everybody has an NFL MVP if Cam's still the starter? 
That would be fucking nuts. So I think Carolina, speaking of Cam, got rid of him too early. I think they should have let him get healthy and bring Bridgewater in anyway and try and restructure Cam. And then if Cam can't do it, you have Teddy. Um, I think that you, whoever signs Cam Newton, and I don't think the Broncos should do it. I think the Patriots should. The Patriots should sign Cam Newton and, and McDaniels and Belichick should teach him how to calm down and read defenses correctly and play slow in order to play explosive, not play fat, not play too fast so you're bogged down and making mistakes. So remember that. Play slow to be explosive. Don't play overly fast, and then you're just going to get bogged down. So I think Cam, if you were to go to a situation like that and play for Belichick and McDaniels, they could teach him a lot. But also, I think it could rejuvenate his career, which is not necessarily what we want from a New England team. But I do want to see Cam have success. I think that the Broncos literally broke his ass. That said, though, Cam has to be in a position where he can be himself. I think that they should. somebody should sign him to a two- or three-year deal. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's not your money. What do you care? But run quarterback power with him. Make it play-action-based. Go copy that 15-1 season where he was running the ball over the place. He was an incredibly dynamic and just absolute killer inside the red zone. I mean, they were so good. And I understand that they didn't win the Super Bowl and he didn't play well in the title game, but I don't care about that. I'm glad the Broncos won. I'm saying strictly right now, I think Cam Newton could have an incredible turnaround. And the same way that you saw guys come back from injury at the quarterback position who everybody thought that they were washed, and then they come back and they have two or three great years, uh, a Kurt Warner, I think he could have a resurgence like that. Now, Kurt's obviously a better thrower of the ball from a standpoint of just a natural gunslinging ability, but Cam, athletically, is might be the most dynamic athlete to ever play the game at that position and when Steve Young thinks he can come back and do it at a high level so do I do I am I worried about his shoulder and his foot of course I am but no one's healthy in the NFL so it it gives you it gives teams an opportunity to see what they can see and I'd like to think that the Patriots could bring him in and they could do something special with Cam Newton uh, so we'll see there. Free agency as a whole was cool but it was kind of weighed down because of the circumstances we're in I thought that the Broncos did a really, really good job of providing competition for everybody. They went out and got Darrell Casey to replace Derek Wolf, which I don't think is the best idea in the world. Derek Wolf had a great year last year, but Casey's a five-time Pro Bowler, and he's going to be extremely dynamic if he continues to progress and play at the level he usually plays at. Um, I, I love the Simmons franchise tag. Him and and uh, the other safety, Jackson, are going to be a dynamic duo as usual. Uh, I I really love the Melvin Gordon sign. The more that it goes on, the more I like it. It pushes Phil Lindsay uh, to just keep improving and get better. And and we're going to see that competition because I don't think they're paying Melvin Gordon thirteen million to come in here and be a backup. So we'll see how Phil handles all that because I think it's going to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit harder and a little bit more. Uh, it's going to test him definitely as a professional. It's not like college where you're just splitting carries. Now somebody's coming in and taking your money, your opportunity, and potentially your job. I still want Phil Lindsay here, and I hope that they franchise him. But I do agree with a lot of the sentiment out there in the world, too, that if he didn't play at CU and he wasn't a, 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 a favorite son here in Denver, we wouldn't be having the same conversation. Would we want to keep him? Yeah. But would we want to keep him at the price tag that he's going to demand here? Probably not. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Phil gets traded at some point or if this is his last season in Denver. Denver, uh, or last two. Um, so there's a lot of things with the Broncos that are going to be good. We're going to talk about the draft here in a minute, but I do want to bring on Ryan Jensen and talk about the Tom Brady effect and where he thinks Tampa Bay can go from here, the COVID-19 situation and what he's doing to counter it right now, other than of course, working with me outside a couple of days a week. Uh, and, and then, you know, his journey from, from when we were training for the NFL Combine and Pro Day back in the day, uh, you know, going out there and getting ready for that crazy-ass workout that the Ravens put him through and getting drafted by Baltimore and then working our ass off to a point. I'm so blessed to be part of Ryan's journey here where he is, at the time, was the highest-paid center in NFL history. And that's a, you know, it's an under-recruited kid from from Southern Colorado who busted his ass and didn't listen to people tell him what he can't do. And, you know, he's made right on it. And second-team All-Pro last year. And now he's got an opportunity to put the, the icing on the, end, on, on the cake here at the end of his career and potentially go get a ring and potentially be a really, really, really good, dynamic, explosive offense and play with the GOAT, Tom Brady. So this is uh, Mr. Ryan Jensen, Big Red, uh, here on 
McChesney Unchained, episode 69 on thednvr.com. Uh, we'll have him on here for about 10 minutes, ask him some questions and get him out. So, Ryan Jensen, starting center for Tampa Bay Buccaneers on McChesney Unchained. And now on McChesney Unchained, episode 69, uh, we bring in one of the nastiest players that I know in the National Football League these days, the starting center for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Second team All-Pro last year. What, a 10- or 11-year veteran now for or from CSU Pueblo down in Pueblo, Cloud Thunderwolf, Mr. Ryan Jensen, joins us here on the show. Big Red, how you doing, brother? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you down there sledding this morning uh, with, with your two-year-old or posted up watching cartoons? Uh, just posted up watching cartoons right now. we got about two foot of snow up here. In, uh, I think we're watching bubble guppies right now. I don't know. I'm just going to stand right, off my face. <laughs> we used to watch a ton of Bubble Guppies in my crib too when my when my boys were young. So Bubble Guppies. It's so weird that two two big old nasty old linemen know the Bubble Guppy song. Right. Bubble 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 Guppy Guppy Guppy. I love it. All right, so let's get rolling here. All right, so first question right off the bat, okay. How excited are you to play with the GOAT Tom Brady, man? Oh yeah, definitely. It's uh it's exciting, uh, just for what he brings to, um, you know, to a team, um, you know, as, as a leader and and his skill set and just what he does. It's uh, it's amazing and uh, definitely excited to get to work. Now, Bruce Arians, I mean, your, your first year you were down there with Dirk Cutter, and uh, correct? Yeah. And and Cut Cut was a great offense coordinator. He had his struggles as a head coach. Obviously, it's a hard job. Uh, you bring in Bruce Arians or Tampa Bay does and. I really loved watching your offense last year, and it suited you well as you, you were second-team all-pro selection, and, and that's, that's fucking big time, brother. And now you got Tom coming in with those weapons, Evans, Goodwin. I know that's all report today that O.J. Howard's on the trading block, but still, O.J. Howard, and God knows who else down there, Ronald Jones. I mean, how excited are you to see what Bruce Arians can do with Tom Brady? I mean, I, I played for Josh McDaniels, and he's – I'm not going to say he's conservative, but I think Tom is, for the first time, truly, since he had Randy Moss, he's going to be able to, like, push the ball downfield a ton. How excited are you to do that? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's it's crazy to uh, think, you know, you know B.A. is a very aggressive uh, play caller, you know, and Byron, uh, who's our offensive coordinator, um, left with, he's, you know, he, he's the one who's calling plays, and and stuff like that, and uh, you know, kind of goes by that BA, uh, no risk, no biscuit type deal. And uh, you know, I'm excited to see what uh, we can do with the weapons that we have because, like you said, you know, Mike and and Chris and uh, Cam Brate, who you know is, is one of the statistically is one of the best red zone tight ends in the league right now. You know, he doesn't get a lot of a lot of attention and stuff like that. But in the last, I think, three seasons, he's he's had he's top five in touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, Why tight end? <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know Rojo's coming along really well, and uh, it, it's it's exciting and uh, ready to uh, see the little different changes, um, you know, for Tom and you know because Tom loves his tight ends and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see what uh, uh what little uh, nuances in the offensive change this year. Now, Ryan, you, you played at CSU Pueblo and and you were drafted by the Baltimore Ravens back in the day, and you and I have been working. Uh, for a long time together at, at Six Zero Academy and part of Dungeon Family, and it, one thing that I, I love is the year that you signed with Tampa. You, you were at that time the highest paid center in NFL history, and then Nate Solter that same year signed with the Giants, and he became the highest paid tackle in NFL history. And for a state that gets hated on as much as Colorado does, the flyover state and things of that nature. As much college football recruiting work as I do, it's pretty damn cool to see that happen in this state. And just just talk about the state of Colorado a little bit and, and your journey a little bit and, and, and six zero a bit and trying to wrap this all together. Yeah, man, it's it's awesome. Uh, you know, two Colorado kids from small town, you know, small town Colorado. Uh, you know. Me, especially being under recruiting, Nate went to CU and and stuff like that. But for me, going to a, a Division two school and then having the success that I've that I've had, you know, it's been a it's been a crazy crazy ride, and you know, it hasn't been easy. 
my first four years of my my career in Baltimore, I was a I was a career backup, and you know never had an opportunity to uh, compete for a starting job. And um, then the my fifth year um, in Baltimore, they, they gave me an opportunity to uh, compete for the starting center position, and I I uh, ran with it, and uh, you know had had a great year in 2017, and ended up getting uh, you know getting that big contract and. Uh, you know, that, that's something every off season, you know, working with, working with you and, and just getting some football work in, you know, a couple times a week, you know, that, that's huge there at a six zero and, um, definitely, uh, what you're building there for these, these high school kids, helping them get recognized and get recruited. It's, uh, it's huge for the state. All right. Last one. Okay. And this is a serious question because and trying to maybe calm down the, the, the football community, but also I, I want your honest answer. How worried are you that, that the football season could get pushed back significantly? And then what do you think they should do? do you, would you be down for a full quarantine of the football team and their families for the entirety of the NFL season to do it? And how weird would it be playing in front of no fans ever? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, with everything that's going on, obviously there's the concern about the season getting pushed back and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that just is what it is. You know, I got to keep, you know, keep everybody safe and, and figure this out, you know. Uh, but, you know, the, the whole aspect of, uh, playing, not playing in front of fans for me, I, it would be kind of, kind of used to it because, you know, in college we, uh, <laughs> you know, we would maybe have a thousand people in the stands. So to me, it's not it's not a huge huge issue. You know, still be able to play the game and get it uh, uh you know get it televised and get it out to the fans and, and stuff like that. But uh, what, what I think, if that were to be the case, I think what they should do, uh, you know, so there has that competitive advantage for the home team is uh, when uh, you know the the way teams on offense have have uh, noise uh, pumped into uh, the stadium like. You know, uh, you know, maybe like 100 decibels, 120 decibels of, of noise. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, you know, like crowd noise. I think that would that'd be something uh, good to have for you know the competitive advantage of you know playing a quote unquote home game, even if there's no fans in the stands. Well, it, it's definitely an unprecedented time, and I I really hope that football can kind of pull the uh, the, the country back into some normalcy as, as we get through this, but. I guess we will see what we see. The great Ryan Jensen here, former CSU club, Will Thunderwolf, Baltimore Raven, and current center for Tampa Bay, uh, and, and proud member of, of the Dungeon Family Six Zero Academy, and we are damn proud of him uh, and, and all he's accomplished. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on McChesney Unchained on DNVR.com. Everybody go check it out, and we'll be posting on Twitter and Instagram today and getting it out there to the masses at Six Zero Academy. And then, Red, what's your Twitter and what's your ID? How do people uh, follow you and see what you're doing? Uh, Twitter is uh, Sinjin66, and uh, Instagram is RKJensen7715. Uh, Fantastic. Hi, right, Big Red. Enjoy those bubble, 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 gubby, gubby, guppies, and that two-year-old <laughs> brother. No <laughs> doubt. Have a good day, big man. <laughs> we'll catch you later. Thanks for having me. Later. Right, bye. That was a hell of an interview with my man Ryan Jensen, starting center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know he's damn excited about playing with Tom Brady, and he should be. Uh, this is episode 69 of McChesney Unchained, coming to you from our basement here, uh, the new 6-0 Studios. Um, episode 69 has been, well, freaky nasty so far, and that's the way we like it on 69. So let's try and talk about your Denver Broncos, the draft, and where they're going to go moving forward. Um so, the first round pick number 15, I don't think it's even a debate. With the depth of the wide receiver position, I'd rather go wide receiver at 46 in the second round. And I'm taking the best offensive tackle available at number 15, and I am getting rid of 72 as fast as humanly possible. Now, I understand that that's maybe not the most popular thing right now, but if we're going to move forward Drew Locke, we better find somebody to protect his backside, and that ain't Garrett Bowles. So the Broncos have a bunch of picks in this draft, and I'm not going to do a damn mock draft from one to, you know, the end of the draft and the seventh round picks and shit. We're going to talk about the first couple of rounds and what they should do. In my opinion, like I just said, we've got to pick the best tackle available, whether it's Thomas, Wirfs, 
Uh, I don't think we should go up necessarily to pick a tackle if we don't end up getting one of the top four guys or the Jackson kid from USC who I think could develop into a really, really good pro. Um, well, just wait. See if you can get Cleveland in the second round from Boise State. I like that kid a lot. Um, the reason I bring this up is because the wide receiver position is so damn deep in this draft. From Ruggs, who can fly the Alabama kid, to C.D. Lamb at Oklahoma, to, what is his name, the Shepherd kid? Yeah, or Jefferson at LSU. He is one of the best receivers in the draft, uh, period. Now, are we looking for two body types that are similar? Are you trying to find Jefferson to put next to Sutton so they can both be huge number ones? Or are we literally trying to find a number two and a slot guy that can go out and dismantle people and be a matchup nightmare? That's what I'm looking for. And to be honest with you, I think that we can find better value in the second round. A lot of the first round receivers don't. I'm not saying they bust. I'm saying that it's about half and half. Half the time you're getting a, a perennial all pro that's going to be a Julio Jones type. And the other half you're getting some guy that you're ending up cutting down the road because he underachieved. I think, look, Michael Thomas is a Saints receiver as a second rounder. Brandon Cooks was a second rounder. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on and on and on with great players that were second rounders. The rookie from Tennessee last year, the Jones kid, I think is his name, he was a second round pick. So he was a pro bowler as a rookie. So I, I think that you can find a great value in the second round, especially with the, the three third round picks. When they have 77, 90, or 83, and 95, and then two fifths, don't be surprised if they do package Phil Lindsay and two of these third rounders to move back into the second or, you know, trade the second and Phil on the third rounder to move back in the end of the first. I just, I'm not saying or advocating that they should get rid of Phil Lindsay. I think that that's ridiculous, but they did go out and get Melvin Gordon and it's just the nature of the beast guys. That's what it is. So to be completely frank, I think that the opportunity to improve your football team here is apparent and right in front of you. But at the same time, there's two ways of thinking here, especially with the the draft being as up in the air as it is this year. Number one, best player available. We'll just pick the best guy available and roll. Number two, strategically trying to find the best football player available. The great drafts that they've had the last two years, and okay, the above average drafts they've had the last few years. They've gone after football players that are captains and leaders, not necessarily just this guy's fast, draft him. This guy's big, draft him. You know, Bowles was the best athlete, quote-unquote, when he was coming out of Utah, but he also led the country in holding penalties. He was extremely undisciplined. And those things on tape, it, they were neglected and they weren't highlighted because he was so athletic and, oh, he's older than everyone, so he's more mature when in actuality he just didn't get it. So I, I don't have a crystal ball magical remedy here for the left tackle position. I'd like to think that Juwan James is going to be good at right tackle, uh, especially when he gets healthy and he stops getting dicked with by the people over there in the training room. Um, I like the, the Glasgow kid from Detroit. I, I work with Casey Tucker, who, who's with the Lions, and he raves about him. Uh, I think Schlotman's going to be, a, and, and Pat Morris, I've worked with both of those guys. Pat is a big, heavy-handed, you know, nasty son of a bitch, and Austin worked himself from an undrafted player to a starter last year. And we've been working together a long time. Both those two, two played for Chris Thompson down at TCU, and he did a great job developing them both. So you could have either of those two as either the swing guard or the center. And then your left your left guard is Reisner, and he's obviously solidified that position. I would have loved to keep McGovern around, and we'll have him as our guest on the next show, who just signed a three-year, $30 million contract with the, the gangrene New York Jets. So I'm so happy for Connor and his family and all the work that that guy's put in uh, and overcome such overcome a lot of bullshit when he was young here in Denver and a lot of you know negativity from the coaching staff and he he used that correctly to help himself and it paid off uh, so I don't know why they didn't bring him back but the, it plays into this long line of guys that they develop here in Denver from Ben Garland to to Connor now to Schofield who's been a starter for the Chargers since he walked out of the door 
I mean, just look at the list, especially offensive linemen that they develop and then let leave, and it's deep. It's really deep, and it sucks because all I hear about from the media and the narrative that's said is we have a lack of development. Where we had developmental problem on the offensive line, we don't have any depth. Well, that's because you cut all of it all the time. You develop Ben Garland from D-line to O-line. He balls out for you. He works into the starting lineup, and you just cut him abruptly. And then he ends up playing for multiple years in multiple Super Bowls. And, you know, just re-signed with the 49ers. You, you, you bring Connor in in the fifth round. You don't dress him at all as a rookie. He decides to just absolutely immerse himself into the little fine points of the game. Uh, he goes from a guy that didn't even dress because Clancy Barone didn't think he was quote-unquote fucking mean, which I think is ridiculous. A tight end coach trying to tell an offensive lineman how to develop is just so ridiculous to me, but it's the nature of the NFL. He develops himself into a multi-faceted uh, guard and center. You let him leave to the Jets. Uh, Schofield, yeah, he had his he had his problems, but since he's gone to the Chargers and gotten consistently or consistent coaching that's been constructive and not just criticism, he's excelled. Ty Sambrello signed an extension with Atlanta. He's excelled since he left. The list goes on and on and on and on. And I know I'm missing guys just straight off the top of my head, just missing. Billy Turner, fuck. Billy Turner was, when he stepped in for, for injured players his year, when he stepped in for Valdir, he graded out at above 80% at right tackle in both guard positions. And they didn't even really try and negotiate with him to bring him back. He signed a $30 million contract with the Packers and helped them solidify the right guard position and move to the NFC title game last year. So... Make sure you follow Billy on Twitter and Instagram, too. He's doing a lot of great stuff right now to support his community up there in Minneapolis, where he's from. Um, there's just so many things that the Broncos do that I can't say I sit here and agree with. I, the left tackle position, depth on the O-line, and a speedy receiver that can stretch the field in, in the new offensive coordinator, Pat Summers, offense, because they are three wide. They traded Janovich. Anytime you get rid of a Nebraska guy is a good day, but he was really good. And I'm just talking shit right there. I don't know why exactly they extended him just to get rid of him. Um, you don't want a fullback on the field. That's fine. But I don't know, man. I, I like teams that have fullbacks. Teams that don't have fullbacks, they usually have a hard time getting third and one, fourth and one, and that's been a notorious problem for the Broncos in the past. So I think that there's a lot of positive things, but I look at the division, and I think everybody also got better in the division. Uh, I, I was listening to Schlereth yesterday with Mike Evans on the fan, and he was saying that they're the fourth-best team in the West, and I can't sit here and adamantly disagree with them. I think they're third or fourth. The Chiefs are head and shoulders. I think the, the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be a lot better, uh, especially depending on what they do at quarterback. I'm very interested to see what they do there and what Gruden does. I know he's pissed off at Carr and wants to go a new direction there. If Antonio Brown's on that team last year, they may actually get the wild-card spot instead of, choking it away at the end of the year because, number one, they couldn't stop anybody, but they had a hard time scoring points as the season progressed. Um, the Chargers are very interesting. They don't have a quarterback anymore with Rivers going to the Colts um, on a one-year contract. We'll see what happens in Indy. Do I think Tyrod Taylor could be a starter for them? Yeah, but he's a backup when it comes down to the nit and gritty of you know what it is. So, again, are they going to start a rookie? Are they going to take Herbert? Are they going to try and move up? Yada, yada, yada. And then the Broncos are in that third, fourth spot. So they swept the Chargers last year, so we'll just put them in third. Um, and they could easily be better than the Raiders. We'll see. Uh, you know, it, it's all going to come down to who's developing correctly right now, who's maximizing the offseason rather than just trying to complain. Like, there's two groups of people, like I said with the high school guys. It's with the pros, too. There's guys that are pretending like they don't like being quarantined, and they just like to post and bitch about it because that's what is expected. And then there's guys that actually hate the fact that they're quarantined, and they'll do it because they want to save people's lives and help. But at the same time, they're just fucking itching. Itching, itching, itching to pull that trigger and go out and get back to work. So I know that there's a lot of cats out there that are, you know, chopping at the bit to get back to work, but we've got to be careful about this. So when you're looking at the Broncos draft here, first round, 15, I don't want the receiver. I want the offensive lineman. I know that I'm a, a, a meathead, concrete Charlie Trench monster, but it's what it is, man. We really need to solidify that position and it gives me a reason or it gives us a reason to get rid of bowls. Um, so rugs. Jefferson, if they're there, maybe, but I'd rather take a tackle. 
And then at 46 in the second round, you're either going to move up back into the first round and try and find your speedy receiver or pray that he falls to 46 or, I mean, 77, 83, 95, 178, and 187. That's three-thirds and two-fifths. Excuse me. I think that they can do some real damage in this draft with those with those five picks and using them as as uh, draft collateral. And then also, I hate to say this again, but Phil Lindsay, Melvin Gordon coming in and having Freeman behind Gordon, I just think that it puts Phil in a position where he could be expendable to the to the team if they don't want to pay him and they don't want to make it right. So I, if I'm Phil Lindsay, I'm on the phone with my agent trying to figure out if we can find a quarter or, or a suitor for a trade and see if we can get trade and sign and then sign a fat deal wherever you go and hopefully it's not in division or in the AFC at all and you know we don't have to try and deal with him because it's the wrong guy to spite Phil Lindsay is going to be a fucking problem if we spite him and don't bring him back I think that spiting him bringing in Melvin Gordon is is enough to just motivate the shit out of the Tasmanian devil to just go out there and take it my thing is it sometimes it doesn't matter how hard you work or what you put out there or put into the situation they've made their mind up and just like tupac i got my mind made up come on get in get into uh oh it let it ride yeah tonight's the night yeah i got my mind made up come on that's what the broncos did man they got the damn mind made up and it, it made Take a guy who was undrafted, made the Pro Bowl as a rook, and then did back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. I mean, the the inability for the Broncos to see future superstar talent and let it leave is ridiculous to me. They're doing it with Phil right now. They do it with young guys all the time. They develop the shit out of these guys and they let them walk, walk, walk right out the door. Shaq Barrett, come on! You don't want Shaq over Shane Ray. You didn't know that they didn't realize that Shaq was a 19 sack potential and they couldn't figure out a way with the fifth pick instead of taking Chubb, solidifying a different position when you had Shaq Barrett on the roster. So this is my overall problem with the Broncos. I don't know if the Broncos know what they truly have on their roster in the second and third deep. They're so, so consumed with simply just trying to get their first and second round picks to play to par, that they're neglecting their the end the the back end of their roster and the guys that make the motor run. Elijah Wilkinson's another guy that comes to mind. He's been busting his ass for this team, played multiple positions. They obviously liked him enough to tender him, but they didn't like him enough to give him a huge contract. Shelby Harris. You know, they don't even they, they they went out and they let Shelby test free agency. He didn't get what he wanted to get, and they brought him back on a one-year. And that's great, but honestly, they should lock him down for three and pay the man because you're not going to find anybody better out there. Facts. The fact that they didn't even try and re-sign Derek Wolf, they, you know, they, they gave him a, a really low ball offer late in the process. They didn't really want him back. That's crazy to me, too. I think Derek is a really hard-nosed, ass-kicking player that you want at the point of attack. Again, Jarrell Casey's a great addition. Why couldn't we have both guys? Mike Purcell, the the undrafted kid out of Wyoming who's really worked his ass off and worked himself into a great pro, he's going to be a great player at the nose tackle position. But can he handle the constant pounding and the ace blocks that are going to come with that position? Can he handle every rep the entire time? Don or Jones uh, from Ohio State, the three technique who had a pick last year on that screen against the Chargers. I like him too. I think he can be a great player. But again, uh, is that is your three man rotation inside Casey uh, Jones and the, and the big kid from Wyoming Purcell? That I, I like it. I think that it could be dynamic. But I, you know, at some point we need that fourth. So who's the fourth guy? Are they going to be able to draft them or what? Is Gossis gone? You know, Wolf is gone, obviously. Is Zach Kerr out there available? Zach's another big body out there that can eat blocks. He's very athletic, sneaky athletic for as big as he is. So I guess we'll see on that front. But it, it is something to think about. Uh, with the third, with the three-thirds and the two-fifths, I'm not really worried about who they pick. I'm worried about how they use those picks uh, to, to move around. Now, the interesting conundrum here comes when if one of these quarterbacks fall to 15. If, if Tua falls to 15, do you take him at 15? I mean, regardless of Drew Locke, he's a second rounder. They, I just watched him have Rosen on the roster as like the fifth pick or ninth pick or some shit for a year and just ship him out. So the, the rookie contracts and how 
I don't know, light they are, I will say, has allowed the teams to, you know, kind of dispose of their picks a lot sooner than they would in the past. And I know that that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. They don't get it, but it's what it is. So if one of these quarterbacks are available at 15, do you take them? There's a huge question. Um, I don't know if you do or not. I like Drew Locke. I think Drew is going to be a really, really good football player for the Broncos. But you don't pass up dynamic talent that's that's once in a lifetime. And if I'm if I'm looking at Tua Tunga Vailoa, and regardless of injury history, you know he reminds me of you know Steve Young. He does not just because he's lefty, but because he's super mobile. He's extremely he's extremely passionate about the game. He's a fucking brain. Steve's one of the smartest people on the face of the earth. Uh, you know, Tua is that guy. He's really smart, and he's an incredible leader. He's an alpha at the point of attack. And I I think that he's also a really tough-minded, you know, guy that is going to get his offense moving in the right direction 99.9% of the time. That's who I want at the quarterback position. So if he falls to 15, I don't know how you don't draft him. I don't see him getting by five at Miami, but one never knows. There's been crazier shit that had happened. I watched Aaron Rodgers fall like 22 spots to the Packers once. Crazy. So looking at all this, what would you have to give up to move back into the first round to get your tackle or your receiver? And then are we, as the as Bronco country, Elway, Russell, all those guys down there at the at the shop, are they content with getting a couple of starters and then a bunch of guys that they're going to cut or put on practice squad? Or are they trying to find solidified starters in the fifth, you know, sixth and seventh round. They don't think they have a six-round pick. The undrafted guys this year are going to be fucking huge for the Broncos. So we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, from a from a perspective of the the game and how they're going to acclimate the draft this year, I I think that the draft is an overhyped thing anyway. Of course, we'd like to have a draft party and all that shit and do all that. That's part of it. But it's not the end of the world if they just have to do everything from a digital standpoint and do it, you know, over the computer and FaceTime and things of that nature. It's not really that big of a deal. Uh, I want to end the show today on a little bit of of the Cam Newton thing. I forgot to talk about this earlier. But I, I personally think that Cam could go to New England if that's where he ends up. And Bilicek and McDaniels could revamp his career. And then lastly with the AFC, if that does happen and Cam goes to the to the Patriots... I think that you're looking at a situation in the AFC where the Broncos, other than Kansas City and Baltimore, I think the Broncos have to look at it and go, we got a real chance to be a really good football team. So everybody after Baltimore and, and Kansas City is a quarterback away from being pretty fucking good. The Broncos could easily pull a Tennessee Titans next year and just feed the ball to Gordon and Lindsey. A lot of play action looks, big shots down the field, play great defense, and see what they can see. Get into the playoffs and 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 try and you know hurt some people's feelings and beat some people that you're not supposed to beat. So again, I understand that it's a three wide system now under the new offensive coordinator, but you can be really smash mouth with that as well. Your tight end's going to become your motion player and your scissor lead blocker on certain things, and you're going to get a lot of twelve personnel and thirteen personnel. We have multiple tight ends on the field, a lot of motion. Uh, with the slot, trying to create matchup problems so you get linebackers on on slot receivers at times. You're also going to see a lot of nickel and dime defense because of the three wide and four wide looks. When 10 and 11 are on the field, they're going to counter with, you know, over, under, or even, uh, or maybe like a, an odd nickel look where you have a 3-3-5 three, three, behind you, or a situation where you have four down uh, and maybe one true linebacker that's a sideline to sideline player and then a diamond and nickel on the field, or you have four down over under even, uh, which is three techniques strong. Under is a weak call where they're playing against play action, trying to isolate pass rushers on the backside, a lot of three-man slides with backside A-gap squeeze possibility. And then, of course, the even front is the double three techniques with both A-gaps open. So each circumstance calls for different personnel, and I think that the the ability for the Broncos to go match personnel defensively is huge, so they're going to have to find one more corner. Uh, but then also offensively, I think that they're creating a ton of matchup problems 
If they do end up keeping Gordon and Lindsay together, I hope they start using Phil Lindsay like the Patriots used use James White. Like throwing the ball ten times a game on top of lining him up all over the fucking place because he is a matchup fucking nightmare. There's not a linebacker on the face of the damn earth that can cover that guy. All right. So I think that there's so many opportunities for Denver to move forward and take advantage of this. We'll we'll see what happens. Episode 69 is a wrap. Uh, thank you to Ryan Jensen for coming on the show today and, uh, and, and being part of this, uh, of, of McChesney Unchained on the dnvr.com. Uh, go to dnvr.com and check it out. Go to 60strength.com and check out the gym. And then remember to stay safe, support each other, a little compassion, empathy, and true character uh, c- can go a long ways these days. So um, understand there's a lot of people going through a lot of shit right now and a lot of pain and suffering, but all you can do is is approach every day with the with the vigor and, and i hope that things will get better if you do the right thing i am matt mcchesney thank you so much for listening to episode 69 uh from six zero studios here in my basement hopefully we'll be back at quarantine land uh sooner than later um but again honor yourself honor your family be safe and god bless the united states of america <laughs>